Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are talking to Patty Wyatt today, and I, I know I say this all the time, but I'm actually really, really excited about this show today. Uh, I, I was just sitting here talking to one of my favorite people in lives is in, in life or lives? In life. In life. Life. And in we life. Were talking, <laughs> thank you. We were talking about just facing a difficult difficult world um, each day, and we can sometimes wonder if God even cares, and you start talking about, you know, bad things happening, uh, where is God when I need him? But today we're going to step into some of these questions by discussing these topics with, once again, my awesome, awesome guest. And I might have to have a little bit of a drum roll here, but this is Phil Lynn. He is a professional coach as well as a corporate trainer, and he's also my brother. So welcome, Phil. And you are my favorite, favorite baby sister. <laughs> so you were correcting me when I said our lives is it life? Was it lives? Our lives. Our life. Our life. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our life. All right. All right. Our life. Well, we, we have a little bit of a backup story here because Phil and I are just a couple years apart. We're the baby of uh, six siblings. And he, he was definitely my bestie growing up. And he was that brother that would tell his friends, if Patty can't play with us, then I'm not playing. And all the cool kids in the neighborhood, you know, they would roll their eyes and they would let me play because they always wanted you to play, Phil. So I, I was a shoe in. But um, you're just one of those really cool brothers that you see in the movies. And other people go, ah, my brother would have never done that for me. But you used to let me go on your paper route, and then you would take me to the convenience store at the corner, and you'd say, go ahead, buy anything that you wanted. And I don't know if you really understand how fully, like, just overwhelming that was for me, because I would only buy, like, one thing, even though you would tell me I could buy anything, um, but just... just <laughs> I'll never forget that. I look back on, wow, I could have had anything, and I just walked away only ripping my brother off with one piece of candy. But uh, good, good times. And, oh, one more because I'm doing all the talking, and you're just sitting there going, okay, I'm used to this. But firecrackers in the cornfield. Do you remember that? I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On vacation when we went out and I think they were illegal and so we were setting off firecrackers and all of a sudden all these police cars show up so we lay down in these cornfields or whatever and we got eaten alive by mosquitoes and by the time we went back um, dad just looked at us and laughed because he was like well those consequences it's better to have natural consequence consequences anyway <laughs> Yeah, we were laying down in an irrigation ditch where probably all the mosquitoes lived. 
So we we know how to pick them. So the rest of our vacation, we were had big, huge welts on our body. Uh, all right, so we won't for another show. I have to talk about our our runs on the canal where we would be dum dums and run for ten miles, and our our code on the on the wall, our bedroom wall, where we had one wall in between us that we would tap and had our own secret code. But hey, for another time, uh, going back to our original discussion about living in a in a different difficult world and also talking about you as a coach so people come to you because we do have a difficult world and they want to lean in they want to step into how can i be the best me that god intended me to be that he created me to be and you know how do i stay curious and um you know truly show up every day and be, like I said, the, the best you that you can be. So what do you do here um, in, in helping people show up better? Well, Patty, I have a strong uh, belief and passion in relationships, and maybe it's because the gift that God has given me in you and the relationship that we had uh, growing up and even— Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say the gift that God has given me in you? I just want to make sure our listeners catch that. How amazing <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, nah, it was for the <laughs> listeners, not for you. <laughs> All so, right, keep going. And you're going to replay this probably. But <laughs> the, the gift of a relationship, and I think that God created us if you go all the way back to the garden where he said it's not good for man to be alone, that he created us to be in relationship. So to be, to stay curious, you had mentioned to stay curious, I think comes through relationship. And to be able to have a vulnerable, close relationship where someone can um, point out the areas in your life that you need to stay curious, that you need to stay in a position of growth, that, that curiosity, you can get that through others where mm. it's hard to maintain that um, in yourself, that we mm. weren't created to be an island, that we need one another. And I know, Patty, that we have had that in our relationship uh, really all of our life, that, mm. you know, where it talks iron sharpens iron concept, that we've been that for each other. So I think the key to life the key to growth, the create the key to joy is uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you say because we've had that with having each other, and we all we always talk about. I feel sorry for other people who don't have that person. You know, I feel sorry for you know, especially we had it's it's almost like that twin capacity because you we've always had each other, and there's no way that that can be severed because I mean, I guess there is a way, but we, we always think, okay, you have to put up with me. You have to, um, <laughs> you can't just walk away from this relationship. But I think with that, because we know there's that commitment with you and I, that it also puts you in a place of total transparency. We can be completely vulnerable with each other because I know whatever I say and do, you might go, all right, dum dumb. But, 
I know you're still going to be there for me. And I think that's what so many people are lacking, you know, even in their marriages um, to, like you said, to be in that place of growth where you can really speak into each other, where you can really hear the, the hard facts of redirecting and feedback of, Hey, have you considered this? So iron can sharpen iron. So talk a little bit about that, you know, and those are kind of the buzzwords right now. And, and as they should be, because we finally are living in a place where, hey, it's okay to be completely transparent. It's okay to, to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. I think you you had mentioned something. We have been blessed to have that kind of relationship. And I think what you were asking are underneath that was, what do you do if you don't have that kind of relationship? And I think one thing that we can do to uh, find those intimate relationships is to take the step that you take the first step to be vulnerable and transparent with someone else. Transparency creates intimacy. And sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable and transparent. We stay guarded because of fear. And so it's asking those introspective questions if we find ourselves being guarded by some, uh, from so many people asking the question, what am I afraid of? And walking through that fear. Mm, mm. Uh, that's really interesting when you put it that way, that transparency equals intimacy, because it doesn't feel that way at all. Like you well, said. If you think it, of intimacy, if you want to define it, intimacy equals into you, I see. Mm. And get it, get it. That was uh, fun. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. but that is true. Intimacy is I get to see inside of you, and you get to see inside of me. And the mm. trust that is needed and developed within those relationships creates that kind of intimacy. Okay, and with that, we're going to go into a commercial break, and we will be right back after this message. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's merging down the curve. Did you realize 
that Twitter is over 10 years old. Twitter was first launched in March of 2006, with the hashtag feature appearing about a year and a half later. Twitter employs more than 2,700 people around the world. Today, there are over 241 million active users on Twitter, with an average of 500 million tweets per day. Now that's a lot of traffic. A lot of new words have been coined from the Twitter app. A tweetheart is your Twitter boyfriend or girlfriend, and Twitterphoria is the feeling you get when they tweet you back. If you don't want to feel like a twittyet when you tweet, there's a whole list of proper twetiquette available. At first, even I was a bit of a Twitterphobe, but if you want to follow me at Too Funny Carolyn, that would be twittastic. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We have been talking with Phil Lynn, a professional coach and corporate trainer. And right when we went into the commercial break, we were chatting about vulnerability transparency equals intimacy and how that actually feels the opposite. When you're transparent, you put yourself out there. How I I know for me, even doing the radio, there are so many times I put myself out there and, and then I, (laughs) I feel so vulnerable that I feel silly. And so instead of like leaning in, you kind of go, Oh, why did I say that? Or, you know, why did I say it in that way? And it's really easy just to kind of shut down and let that immobilize you and paralyze you rather than thinking that you connected with other people. So it once again, it goes back to that root is fear. And I lost you. <laughs> I think fear, Patty, is a huge barrier Uh or can be to vulnerability because we have a tendency, none of us like pain. So mm-hmm. our, our psyche, our soul, our inside, whatever you want to call it, will always move towards comfort. But comfort doesn't always produce the intimacy in the relationship that we desire. So sometimes we have to discover what that fear is and not act out of our fear, but act out of what we know is the right thing to do then the fear will eventually go away. Does that make sense, Patty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So unpack more of that. Because well, that's so true. We want comfort. So is that why even in relationships, uh, you know, it's just easier to go sit in a movie theater than it is to go sit and have coffee and actually talk and get to know each other? Well, for example, uh, let's say with you and I, I might have a fear of hurting you. Where, and so that starts to block. It can block our, uh, uh, the closeness in our relationship because I might have something that happened to me and I was hurt by you. And so that initially it's easier just to put it underneath the carpet and not deal with it or not deal with the conflict. Maybe it might not be a big deal in this moment, but it happens in six months. I put another brick. 
happens again in eight months, I put another brick. All of a sudden, this this wall starts to be created between the two of us. And I'm thinking by not sharing, I am going to keep a closer relationship. But the reality is by facing the fear of hurting you, in reality, it helps our relationship by me being vulnerable and sharing with you how you hurt me. And through that difficult conversation, intimacy is created. So on the other side of the conflict becomes intimacy. And I can also know that I can share something with you and the relationship is going to last. So that gives me confidence in our relationship. So the next time I know if I need to share something with you that might be hurtful, I know that we have a closeness in our relationship that it's going to have staying power. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you, when you shared that, I thought of, I had a relationship in my life with uh, a girlfriend and she, uh, she gave me a book about relationships and it, it had all these different scenarios and stories about, you know, girlfriends who, um, one friend really wanted the other relationship more and how they kept pouring themselves into that relationship. But, but that other person was very vague towards that and how in a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, you know, you can have a breakup or you can say, you can kind of define the relationship a little bit more, but within friendships, it can be a little bit more difficult with that. And you don't know sometimes how to verbally say it. Like, are you breaking up with me? Or are you, are you now in another friendship (laughs) that is more important? So now you're not going to hang out with me. And it gets, it gets crazy. But anyway, she gave me a book and I read the book and, you know, we used to run together and I would go and I would tell her about, Oh, that was interesting. Like that story or that story. But it didn't occur to me until she shared that that book was what, how I feel. Like I'm going through that. I I feel that I am just your running partner, but then you don't want to do anything else with me. And she wouldn't mind me sharing this. I mean, we've talked about it. And we've laughed about it now that it, it, it it's just interesting how you put yourself out there. And for someone like me, you have to put it out there verbally because – I'm, I'm way too dumb to figure it out <laughs> unless you just come out and tell me. And well, what's, what's interesting when you're saying about that is that maybe it is better for us to be overt with it because sometimes we think we're saying things and we're communicating, but we're really, we're not. That communication is the key to any relationship. And so the misunderstandings that can occur in a relationship that push people away, and then you start creating your own narrative. Patty doesn't like me because she did such and such. And you're thinking totally opposite. Well, Phil doesn't like me because he never responded, and I'm responding because I think you don't like me. But we both love each other, and now we think that we don't like each other because of the misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So in relationships that you really care about and you want to maintain and keep for the long haul, that clear communication through the pain, I think, is vital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it it is interesting because in that situation where it was a book, uh, you think it's you think you are being overt. Like, how can they miss that when you're operating out of pain? And you think I'm because I've even seen women do this with their husbands. They'll go buy them a book, you know, a book on boundaries or you know, a book, and they they put it there. They give it to them as a gift, or they put it on the you know the bedside stand, whatever. And then either their husband doesn't even open it, doesn't read it. They read it. They don't get it. And, you you know, you've put all hope into this book. And so now you're you just put another brick using your analogy there because you think, oh, you I don't matter enough to you that you would even read it or I don't matter enough to you that you want to talk about this. And so, like you said, the narrative you're playing in your head when here you are trying to mend the relationship and instead or define the relationship, whichever one you're being hurt and it starts spiraling. So I think the biggest tip for our listeners is be overt and over communicate. If you truly are having these emotions and we all know that that narrative that you play in your head, it's most likely negative. So, to either try to be very intentional with turning that negativity into a positive narrative um, or somehow be overt and over communicate what whatever's going on in that narrative to that other person. And I think going back to relationships, um, I think it is vital to have a close friend that you're sharing that narrative with that they won't use the narrative against you or they won't share that narrative. For example, you said a wife who put the book on the nightstand for her husband, so she has a narrative. My husband doesn't care because he never read the book. And he is thinking something totally opposite. And so for the wife to be able to share with her girlfriend, here's the narrative that I'm believing here, the assumptions that I have, and the girlfriend who's on the outside of the relationship between the husband and wife can breathe a different narrative that will work for her and not against her. Whereas if she didn't share that narrative with a girlfriend, she would stay in that negative loop Mm. and spiral downward is what you're saying. So it's, I think, critical to have close relationships around you so they can test your narratives. And, And that's a really good tip, having those relationships around you to test your narrative. I I know often you see people in relationships where instead of testing each other and challenging each other, you go into the pit together. Where, you know, it's like, let's, let's just bash our husbands. Let's just be here and, and just moan and groan and wallow in it. And and I think there's a place for empathy, not necessarily for bashing, but there's a place for empathy, whereas you're sharing a hurt and you want someone to mourn, as Scripture says, to mourn with you. Um, But there is the healthy part where you move on, and you need people in your life that will help you move on. So if someone, I'll call it Team Patty, that you get close relationships around you to form that team around you to be able to mourn with you, but also be able to help you take those next steps. Mm-hmm. And the reason they can help you take those next steps, because you had mentioned this earlier, 
Team Patty, those close girlfriends, want what's best for you, and you know that, so you can trust them, and the the advice giving they're going to give you, you know, even if it's hurtful, that they're sharing that because they love you and they unconditionally accept you, and they want what's best for you. Mm. Well, I just, I like that whole team patty. I just like the way it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. It's, Wait. Go ahead. It's, it's true. Well, the reality is we all know it's about patty. Exactly. I mean, exactly. exactly. I, I've I, known that all my life. And I think <laughs> for all of us to have a team patty, a team Cindy, a team Phil, that that you have people around you because I I believe that the, even your team Patty can be a mirror of who you are that you discover who you are through other close friends through other people so it really does impact who you are and inside by the people that you hang around with. Mm. And that is so true. Before we go into a commercial break, just. Think about that. Who do you want on your team? Call it Team Joe, Team Sue, whatever it is. But who is on your team to really chisel you? And we are going to be right back after these messages. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's marching down the Did you hear about the Gabrielunzi bear caught rummaging through a refrigerator in an apartment in Colorado? The tenant heard noises coming from the kitchen and saw a bear with his head in the fridge looking for anything it could eat. What's a word for food that's unfit for human consumption? Ma wallop. The tenant locked himself in his bedroom and called for help. What's a word for the fear of bears? Ursophobia. We have lots of bears near our Colorado cabin, and we have been told that pepper spray will keep them away. But the idea that it would keep a 500-pound grizzly bear from attacking seems ridiculous to me. I think I'll try the pepper spray on myself and hope the bear doesn't like spicy foods. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. 
a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, you are listening to Patty today, and we started out by talking about just being in a difficult world each day and what what can we do? Do we have coaches? Do we have people in our life that can really breathe into us, that can help chisel us? And we ended the segment talking about having your your team that surrounds you and holds you accountable and really challenges you, asks ask you those hard questions. And we're talking with Phil Lynn, who is a professional coach and a corporate trainer. And he's also my brother. So once again, yay, yay, we're back on the air. And we left talking um, about the the trust of having those significant people in your life. And I, I know I've shared this before with our listeners but I like to look at it as we have our basement friends and our balcony friends because we know we're the sum of the five people that we hang out with the most. So if you have a piece of paper, a scratch paper to write down those five people, like who who do you spend the most time with? And then really start analyzing and evaluating, do you have people in your life that are pulling you up? to that balcony. The balcony friends are the ones that are going to help you lead well. They're going to help you be a better influencer. They're the ones that um, they really have that solid foundation of Christ and they, they want you and them both together to shine Christ. It might be a prayer partner, etc. The basement friends are the ones that they shame you. They truly are toxic. If they, if they have a way of putting you down or making you not feel completely um, who God intends you to be, then they'll figure out a way to do that. And you get off the phone with them or you see that they're calling you and you kind of shudder a little bit and shiver because you don't want to answer the phone. So those people are your balcony friends. And let's analyze that and evaluate that. But let's talk, Phil, um, a little bit more about that. Like, what what happens, and how do you know when you have those people or those relationships that are that are going on? And maybe you're even in a marriage, or it's a child, so it makes it even more difficult when they are toxic. I think when you have, let's start with well, with any toxic relationship, you want to put your boundaries up. And so to use your analogy of the house, um, uh, tell me if this is, goes along with your analogy, Patty, that you even get them out of your basement and you get them outside of the fences that you put around the, the yard. So if you could think of your backyard, let's say, and you have a fence around there called boundary, and you don't allow them into your backyard. For example, you use the illustration of shaming. Shaming is is uh, um, very, very uh, toxic and very hurtful and very damaging. That if you stay in a relationship that constantly shames you, that will erode. That even has the potential to erode uh, your self-image and, and who you are. So that's where you can actually. We talked about communication. And you can let your friend, your husband, your spouse, 
uh, your children, if they are constantly shaming you, verbalize that and to say, when you do such and such, I am, I feel shame. And I'm, I'm going to ask you not to do that. And if they continue to do that, for example, with a friend, then um, maybe it's a time to move on and say that this toxic relationship is over. Mm. Well, it's not. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's, it's not worth keeping a toxic relationship. It's not worth staying in a relationship that's going to shame you. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're in this relationship, like it's a marriage or, or it's a child? It's, or it's a, it's a it's, parent. It's a parent that's doing that to you. I think um, maybe it's somewhat a little bit different depending upon the relationship. So let's look at your spouse. If you have a spouse, that uh, you feel like you're in a toxic relationship. I think the important thing, the first step, is to put up your own boundaries and let them know, here's what I will allow in and here's what I will not allow in. And so, and you work on your own health. Because if you've been in a relationship that has shamed you for years, you've got things that you need to work on with your self-image that you can begin to lose who you are. So you start working on your own health and your own boundaries. And as you get healthier with any of those relationships, it gets easier to put the boundaries up. And what's fascinating, Patty, that uh, to have compassion on other people, to become intimate with other people, you have to have healthy boundaries yourself, which is feels like a paradox. And then with the parents, uh, especially um, an aging parent, well, sometimes we feel like we have to parent them. Again, it's putting up the healthy boundary of what you will allow and what you won't allow in those relationships. And when they constantly shame you in that phone conversation, like you said, that you let them know that, Mom, Dad, if you're going to continue to treat me this way, I'm going to limit my phone uh, phone calls, something to that effect. And and I think that's where, right when you said, if you're going to continue to treat me this way, then I'm going to limit my phone calls, that we missed that point. When we hear putting up your boundaries, we just immediately walk out. Like, okay, this person, I don't like the way they're treating me, so therefore I'm not going to be around them, which might be fine in a casual relationship, a casual friendship, but not so much when it is, you know, your child or your spouse or a parent. I think it's significant to over-communicate. And, you know, it's that broken record where you keep repeating it as soon as they do something to say what you just said. If you, if you make that comment, or if you talk to me that way, I feel shame, or I I feel sad, or I feel frustrated, and I don't want to talk to you anymore. So I'm not going to be calling you if you continue to do this. And instead of being bold, and being vulnerable and putting ourselves out there, we have a tendency to just not not take a phone call from your parent anymore, or limit those phone calls 
rather than verbally communicating with them. And I, I, I really, and I'm challenging myself. I'm going to be transparent right here and, and say there's some relationships that I could be verbally communicating that. And I know I go, eh, it's not worth it. It's not worth getting into that conversation or they're not going to understand or that's just who they are. This is the way that they've always been. So why would I try to change them? I guess is, is the mental narrative that you put in your head. So what do you do with that? Do you just, I think it's important to realize my job isn't to change anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's job. By putting boundaries up, I'm putting a boundary up on how you're going to treat me, how I allow you to treat me. And if you understand that or not, my job is not to make you understand, especially in toxic relationships, that person is probably used to giving their way by shaming and bullying. And if you try to explain to them, you're shaming me, and by doing this, you're shaming me, they might come back and not and continue to shame and bully you. And so the boundary there is, again, I know I'm repeating myself, if you behave this way, you don't say it this way, but if you behave this way, I'm not going to allow you in the backyard. I'm not going to allow you in the house. And so there are parameters that you put up. And I think it's really important, depending upon the relationship, that we don't go into that conversation thinking I need to convince the other person to behave a certain way because that can be a losing battle and exhausting and you leave there feeling worse than you did going into the, to the conversation. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you said that. Uh, you, you cannot for sure change somebody's behavior. You can only change how you behave towards them, and that's such an important tip. Uh, there's a, a Stephen Covey does a, a workshop on trust that you do your circle of influence and it's, you draw a circle on, on the page. So if you're, if you're with a paper and pen listeners that are out there, you draw a circle and in that circle, you write out circle of influence and then you draw a larger circle around that one and you put circle of concern and with that in your smaller circle you write down everything that you truly can do you know what you who you have influence over what you have power over what you have control over and in that outside circle you just write down hey this is a circle of my concern but I don't have any control here and and he basically this is a visual that that way you can look at it and go okay this is what i have control over so this is where i can set my boundaries this outside of the circle i do not have control over but i can still be concerned about and as believers i like to look at that outside circle and go this cir circle of concern is what i'm going to give over to god this is trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and just give it, give it to God. And sometimes that visual of being able to do that, then as soon as you start playing that narrative in your head, 
if you put that circle like close by, I don't know, your computer or in your car, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. This is what I can have influence over. But this outside circle, I cannot. And it it helps you not get into that that worry and stress cycle, which can also, like you said, add to to the shame. But we're going to go on a real quick commercial break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about shaming and toxic relationships. And once again, what can we do? What are the tips there? And we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. well known in medical practices that patients tend to lie about their health habits. They lie about how much they smoke, understate how much they drink or eat, and overstate how much they exercise. What's another word for those little white lies we like to tell in the examination room? Teradiddles. Doctors have a rule of thumb. Whatever the patient says they're drinking, smoking, or eating, multiply it by two. But it's hard to come clean about your habits when you know you're in for some jobation from the doctor. That's criticism we don't want to hear. If physicians want us to be honest with them, I suggest they try being a little less judgmental and use a little suaviloquence. That's soothing, encouraging talk. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with our last segment, and we are chatting with professional coach and corporate trainer, Phil Lynn, who is also my brother, yay, and we are chatting about relationships. We got into everything that you ever wanted to know about um, uh, toxic relationships, uh, how they shame, they bully. And I'm being sarcastic when I say everything that you ever wanted to know because I don't think you can 
um, talk about this topic enough, as well as there's just so much content out there. But when we left, we were saying uh, a little example of putting it on paper so you have the visual of what you can have control over, what you don't have control over, go ahead and give it to God. And Phil, we were saying um, having those shaming and toxic relationships, trying to put some boundaries up. Uh, can you give us some more examples where it's really hard to put those boundaries up? And we make it sound so simple, like write, write your list down on a piece of paper and then just give it up to God. <laughs> so right. Deeper, deeper with that. I think some of that has to do with some of our Christian beliefs that can be out of balance. That I believe, uh, let's say, the great commandment to love one another. That, that toxic people, we feel guilty when we put boundaries up. Oh, I'm supposed to love them meaning that I've become a doormat. And I don't think that was what Jesus was talking about. I think it's okay in relationships between spouses, with our kids, with our parents, siblings, and friends. God never called us to be a doormat. That is a very healthy thing to have boundaries and not feel guilty for having boundaries as a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. I think also... Um, I think it's important, along with boundaries, to help set boundaries, is to have the, you know how we talked about Team Patty, Team Susie, or Team whoever, is that the people that are closest to you are not toxic to you, that it's okay to have, maybe you have a girlfriend that you feel like is toxic in a relationship with you and is pulling you down, is damaging to you, to not have them as an intimate, in that intimate circle. You look at Christ, you look at Jesus, and he had three disciples in his inner circle. And it's okay. That doesn't mean that you're not loving the other person. Why the people closest to you are the ones who are lifting you up. Those are the ones we talked about vulnerability. You want to be vulnerable and open and trusting with those close friends. You don't want to be open and vulnerable to toxic relationships because they will use that against you. They will use that to shame you. And if they've done that in the past, it's okay to put that boundary up. And to be able to work, and it's hard. When you're in a toxic relationship, let's say with a spouse, it is very, very difficult, especially if you've never had boundaries. And let's say you've been in the marriage for 20 years. And like you said, Patty, it's not just, okay, I'm going to put up a boundary and I'm going to be healthy and everything's going to be fine. That person, especially if you have a loved one who's been close to you for a long time and used to not uh, uh, honoring your, your boundaries and you start moving towards health and putting those boundaries up, they won't like that. And they'll probably uh, even bully you and shame you even more. And that's why it's important to have those close friends that you can mourn with, that you can find support with. Because I would say when you ask the question, what is the difficulty in creating boundaries, part of that is to have support so that you can figure out what the boundaries are and that you can 
uh, establish those boundaries. And the other important thing is, is to maintain and be consistent with the boundaries. You have to be uh, consistent with the boundaries to the other person to uh, honor them. It's interesting. You have to be uh, consistent. And yet I, I've seen in, with, with people in those relationships that are highly dysfunctional, they feel crazy. So once again, we can make it sound like, oh, yeah, just be consistent. You know, sound like a broken record. You just keep repeating, I feel this when you do this. And yet it, you you go into that that personality that might be just, you know, so narcissistic or when they're so dysfunctional. Uh, I, I mean, we could have listeners right now going, I have tried this and I feel crazy. Um, how do you help them? I think a couple of things. I would encourage that listener to go into counseling. I believe in counseling. I've been in counseling for uh, 15, 20 years. I think everybody should have a counselor or a coach that walks along with them, that supports them. To be able to, I think when you get into uh, certain relationships, possibly someone uh, with a personality disorder, if you're in a relationship with someone with a personality disorder, it can make you feel like you're crazy. Um, that's a common phrase that you will hear, that people, that if you have a loved one with personality disorder, that doesn't mean that necessarily you need to end the relationship. You just need support because you do feel like you're going crazy. And you feel like you're the one who's at fault. In reality, you're not. So you need a counselor uh, to walk alongside of you and to get you to a place of health and someone uh, like a counselor to be able to help you establish those those boundaries. So I can't encourage uh, someone who has a loved one that has a personality disorder to get into counseling. And there's a lot of good resources out there. Uh, ignorance is not your friend when it comes to having a loved one with a personality disorder. There's a lot of good books. There's a, a books out there that actually have questions that you ask yourself to determine if your loved one does have a personality disorder. There mm -hmm. are websites that you can go to. There are websites where you can chat with other people who have loved ones. And so you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm not the only one in this situation and I'm not, I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Speaking of crazy, I'm going to flip this whole conversation and end on an amazing note of hope. And I just want to thank you for those tips. And especially, like you said, having that support group, going out there, grabbing some books and, and really doing the research and to realize that you're not crazy. And on that note, I'm going to flip it. And when I want to talk about joy, because we started out by saying, you know, we live in a crazy world. We wake up and we want to stay curious. We want to step into being the, the best you that God created you to be. Uh, I know for you and I, we grew up with a mom who had a lot of joy and she loved John 10, 10 on uh, that Jesus came so we could live abundantly. And she would, do you remember the song, Phil, where she would go, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
<laughs> and she would go around. Um, often she would wake us up to that that song, and we'd sing it on vacation and all that fun stuff. So, uh, how do we get that joy, and why what do we the, fear the joy? I think uh, what's fascinating when you look at our emotions. Joy is the emotion that you choose. For example, if I'm in a relationship with someone, I typically don't choose anger. I just get angry. I don't choose sadness. I just get sad. But I get to choose joy. I don't, I'm not in a relationship and all of a sudden pop, the emotion of joy comes there. It's a choice that we make. And so we get to choose. We have, when you talked about your circle of influence, we have the influence on ourselves to create joy. And I think when I realized that it's my choice to be joyful today and find strength out of that joy, that produces a lot of hope. So to end on the, the, uh, the concept of hope, even if I'm in a toxic relationship, I get to choose joy. Yeah, that, and, that is, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and the joy of the Lord is their strength. That, that literally, the joy of the Lord is their strength. And so in the midst of maybe a difficult time that we're going through, I get to choose joy and find strength in that. And, and that is powerful. And I know uh, we hear this often, but we, we simply, I know for me, I would tell my kids, you know, wake up in the morning and tell me, you know, three things that you're grateful for. But it, since it is a choice, we do have to put our mind in that place. And just like, you know, uh, it talks about in scripture in, in Philippians that, ch- you know, you're choosing to think about those things. So think about things that you're grateful for. Think about those things that that give you joy. And with that, we have two minutes left before we end the show. And I, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, brother, for being on the show with us today. I love all your great tips. And you are truly an amazing coach. And I just love that that God gave you that gift and that strength. What would be another tip, though, on how you can choose joy? How can you put yourself in that frame of mind and make space for joy? I think we can create our own emotional state that our emotions don't control our thinking. Our thinking controls our emotions. So as you said, I get to choose to think about gratitude and that begins to change the joy in my heart all right i i was typing up your your tip there so you 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 caught me in in a pause um so with that if you could summarize our entire show what would you want our listeners to walk away with yet a team of close incredible friends around you. Life is about relationships. The key to joy, the key to an abundant life, I believe, is relational relationships. Awesome. So with that, remember relationships, relationships, relationships. We were hardwired for relationships, and we just want to thank you again, Phil, for being on our show, and go out there and build those relationships. Thank you, Patty.
Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the, it's the 